0: Well, a lot of jealousy in this story, right? Yeah, sibling rivalry begins young. I found the video. You may have seen it. It's been out for about five years, and it's real short. But a father from San Diego posted it online about his two little sons. And watch the little rivalry that they've got going on for this one minute that we see.
1: Whose idea was this? Did you think this was a good idea? Look at brother's face. Who got the paint out? Brother did. How it No. How did he get it? He? he what? He built the stairs. He built the stairs? Yes, With what? With blocks. With blocks? Yes, he built stairs, he? How come you didn't tell him no? Who's the big brother? You are. How come you didn't tell him no? That wasn't a good idea. Huh? Are
0: you guys in trouble? Yes. Well, for as long as there have been brothers and sisters, there's been trouble, right? And sibling rivalry. I bet you've got a story or two from if you grew up with a sibling of something that you all did that got you into trouble, or maybe you did that got them into trouble, but... Trying to sort all these things out as a parent is never easy, is it? No, it's not. Uh, You may have heard there was a lot of drama going on in the household of Jacob. And so I want us to begin today with just a few things about Joseph that we need to know going forward. This is kind of the backstory, if you will, about his life and about where he came from so that we can better understand where he is going and how God will use him. And the first of the things we need to know is the family out of which he came and a little bit of family history that goes along with that. Um, He was the next to the youngest of 11 brothers. And usually the youngest of the crowd or the younger you are, the more you get beat up, right? Or at least taken advantage of by your older brothers and sisters. But the scriptures tell us that Joseph, of all 12 brothers, was the favorite of the father Jacob. Imagine that, the favorite of all 12, and that being known. And not only was it known, but, but there were gifts involved to show that. Yeah, there was this dream coat that we might call it. Because Joseph was a dreamer, it was a very colorful tunic. The word in Hebrew means tunic which means a coat that would go all the way down the arm to the wrist and all the way down the leg to the ankles. It was a full coat. Colorful, and if you don't know biblical history, to buy the dyes to make something very colorful in biblical times was very expensive. But that was not an issue for Jacob, the father, because he had accumulated a lot of wealth. But the problem with the coat was that Number one, all the 11 other brothers did not get one, and Joseph did. Yeah, you may remember back to a Christmas gift your sibling got, and you thought to yourself, maybe one Christmas morning, why did they get that, and I didn't get that? Jealousy ensues and sits in. But beyond just the gift of him having it, it might have had blazoned across the back. Dad's favorite, I don't know, but it might as well have. The second issue with the coat is the signal that it sent, because it was a coat meant not for working outside, but rather something that someone in a a stately place would live. An aristocrat, if you will, someone that, that lived or worked in a king's court would wear such a coat as this. So can you imagine the scene, Joseph going out to the fields in Canaan, helping to keep the flock with his brothers prancing around in this coat, not wanting to get it dirty or messed up, it sent the signal that he was better than all of them, not just because his dad favored him, but because he was above them all. So their father, Jacob, kind of set the stage for this. And maybe it's a word to the wise here today that if you're a parent, don't play favorites with your kids. At least don't tell them if... One of them is the favorite, yeah, because Jacob did that. He came out of a very dysfunctional family situation, and usually, if you know much about family systems, dysfunction brings about dysfunction, and it continues on through the generations. There's a story about when Jacob, the father, was born. He was a twin. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but he was second born. Esau, his brother born to Rebekah and Isaac, their parents, was born first. And listen to what Genesis 25 says about him, about the birth. Esau was the first to come out, and he was red and his whole body was, was uh, hairy garment, and so they named him Esau. And after this, his brother came behind him with his hand grasping at Esau's heel. Imagine that. Being born with your hand extended out, reaching for something that maybe you thought should have been yours. Now, if you don't know, the firstborn in Middle Eastern culture was the winner of the lottery. Seriously, of all of these 12 brothers in Jacob's family, the oldest would, by natural line, get everything when their father died. And the way that it was set up, it just left the other 11 out of luck actually it might have been set up scholars say to to bring about good behavior and harmony above uh, among siblings why because they wanted to get in good with their oldest brother so that he might share the wealth with them when the father died not the case in jacob's house not the case at all he came out chasing after Wealth from the very beginning. In fact, we know that at the end of his father's life, that he tricked his father on his deathbed in his blindness out of his brother's birthright. Esau, who should have gotten the birthright, it was taken away from him and given to Jacob. And so his whole life, he was chasing after riches and wealth and going after the things that were for him. And it led to bad places. It led to a, a family of um, of great competition and backbiting, if you will. And then the other thing going on here in Middle Eastern culture is is this whole idea of multiple marriages. Now I know if you have maybe seen an episode of Sister Wives, you do know, on cable, which is about um, polygamy. Was it in Nevada or somewhere? Utah, perhaps. You think, well, you know, that makes sense. One man married to several women. I've always wondered how to make one woman happy. I don't know how you could possibly make multiple ones happy. It would be a a difficult, impossible task. But the bigger problem in Middle Eastern culture that Abraham and his descendants had bought into was that they would marry multiple wives to try to get more sons. Now, a couple of problems with this, and one of the reasons that the Christian church from the very beginning, because by Jesus' time, monogamy was the norm. One of the reasons that this is not a good idea is because it ended up treating women like property or like cattle to be traded and used. Not good. The other is that it had multiple children for a man with multiple wives and so it was set up as a competition and a fighting in the family for the wealth and for the favor of the father. The reason that the Christian church has always said that, that marriage should be monogamous between one man and one woman is because it is, I think studies still show, best for children to be raised where they have the birth parents in the situation because they have a stake Uh, in the child's life, and yet in biblical times that was far from the case. Jacob had set up, as he was taught and brought up, a system of competition and sibling rivalry, and Joseph came into that, that mess is what it was. And yet despite it, God used him in great and incredible ways. Another thing to know about Joseph is the dreams that he had. And dreams in biblical times were very important. We maybe understand a little bit more now, don't we, of the human mind and the psyche and how it is dreams play a part in us working through things internally. But it was believed in biblical times. Dreams were purely from outside sources and spirits speaking to you, whether that be a bad horror dream or a good dream. A promising dream. And Joseph had these dreams that were given to him by God. Seventeen years old, was he so naive as to go and tell not one of them to his brothers, but both? And you heard the nature of the dream, right? Both of them said what? I'm going to be above all of you. You're going to be bowing down to serve me one day. Imagine the gall of him. Imagine what brothers might do with that kind of fuel thrown onto the sibling rivalry fire. And we'll see where that leads to next week. But for today, hear that these dreams that Joseph had were back to back. And usually in biblical times, when two dreams were given to someone, it meant it was of God, not just of them. Two dreams meant that it was a confirmation. God had instilled those dreams. And we know from Joseph's life, and we'll find out in the coming weeks, that they were fulfilled through and through. The one dream of of the agriculture, of, of wheat standing up together and all the brothers' bundles bowing down to Joseph would be lived out as he was in charge of all of the food stores of Egypt in a great time of famine. They would all come running to him needing food to eat. The other, more of a celestial dream, one of, of moons and, and stars and suns and, and all of them lining up behind Jacob. Well, scholars say that's probably an allusion to Jesus and how it is that, that Joseph's life was in many ways a precursor or a paver for Jesus coming into the world. It was certainly because of the 12 tribes of Israel that these 12 brothers would make, and Joseph being the lead of them all. Well, despite his naivete, Joseph was not afraid to tell these dreams of God to those that needed to hear them. And you have to admire his courage in that, don't you? You have to admire his passion and his desire to chase after the things of God and want to share that with others. I'm afraid a lot of times we're too cautious and too afraid to speak up and to share truth and our faith with others. Joseph did not hold back in telling his dream to his family. And he would not hold back in interpreting the dreams of others one day as well. This was a gift that God had given to him to see dreams and to understand the meaning. He would use that later for great purposes to save thousands of people from starvation and to save his family themselves when he was in Egypt. Joseph was given this gift of of dreammanship and the ability to to organize things and run functionally um, a tremendous thing like the food stores of Egypt that would serve him very well And I love that Joseph is so young when this is revealed to us and to his family. What did the Acts scripture that Tommy read for us talk about? It talked about dreaming dreams and seeing visions as the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples at Pentecost. No longer would the ability to see the future and where God was going to be coming in be limited to just one or two special people. The Holy Spirit would open the hearts and minds of God's people and let them see things they had never seen before. What a tremendous gift Joseph had so many generations before, to be able to dream and to see how God would use him in a great way. Don't lose sight of your dreams, and I'm not talking about your personal dreams, okay? But the dreams that God has laid on your heart. You know, sometimes we can easily get those confused. But if things are of God, don't lose sight of them because that's what's going to get you through the difficult times in life. Wait till you hear next week and the week after where Joseph goes next. It's not a pretty place. And it's a long and and desolate stretch of his life. And yet he's able to hang on to and see those dreams as vividly in his mind during those hard times. As he was as a young boy at 17, it kept him going. It helped him to see beyond the current dangers and struggles that he faced. Don't lose sight of your, your dreams. I love in the Bible that young people are always, well, very often used by God to do great things, right? Yes. The little boy, David, preteen who goes and slays the, the great giant that his brothers and all of Israel's is afraid of, named Goliath. Little Samuel, sleeping in the temple, hearing someone calling his name at night, and, and he finally is told by the prophet there with him, when you hear that again, say, here I am, Lord, it is I. I love that, that the young folks of the scripture and of the Bible are given dreams and abilities to do things that us older people seem to forget about. One of the reasons I'm excited about going on our mission trip in a couple of weeks is because our youth have have a leadership role in that. Well, I'm going to wrap up now. I've got one more point. Remember, uh, Cameron's feeding you lunch, so just hang on a little bit longer. The last thing that you need to know about Joseph is not just the family from which he came and the dreams he had but the grace which he sought out in life grace this love this mercy this forgiveness this favor of God that none of us deserve and yet yet we all need God's touch in our life we all need to be fulfilled we all need to be told and reminded that we're loved when we don't feel loved when we struggle to to just simply be accepted for who we are and how God has made us, Joseph desired that grace in his life most of all. If you compare it to his father, Jacob, who chased after different things other than God's grace and presence in his life, things of, of worldly renown, then you can see that Joseph was used greater for kingdom purposes because he was chasing after things of God's kingdom. Joseph lived his life for God in good times and bad, even when it didn't make sense anymore. Jacob, his father, lived for himself and tried to accumulate all the wealth and and power that he could and have say in all his matters. Joseph's life goal was to seek riches and position eventually in Egypt, not for himself, but to fulfill the promise that that Abraham had been given, that the nation of Israel would be a blessing to the whole world. And he did bless the world in that position. His father, Jacob, sought to bless himself and think only short-term of his own kingdom and not of God's. Joseph sought out and looked for God's grace in his life just as such that at the end of his life, after decades of not being anywhere near his brothers or fathers, there was, and you'll see, a great reconciliation of the division that was among them, and forgiveness was given where it was not deserved, and the family that Joseph desired was eventually brought out of all that because of God's grace. I uh, hear in that today that if you struggle in family dynamics, family issues, sibling rivalry, challenges, or, or years of not speaking to anyone, that if you will seek out God's grace for your life, then God will enable you to bring about unity and reconciliation where there seemed to be none, where it might have seemed impossible. All things are possible with God. If you ever get down about your family's situation, go back and read this story of, of Joseph and his life, the household in which he grew up in. It will put perspective on, on how, how tremendous God can work, even in the most messed up of situations. We don't discount the family from which he came. Jacob was faithful enough to have sons, even if through multiple mothers. And yet in it all, through it all, God's grace was sufficient for all things and brought about God's plan in the end. So my hope and prayer for us today is that God would help us to understand the dream that he has for all of us as people of faith, as a church family, and as the body of Christ in the world. May that happen as we unfold week by week the life of this, this man, this saint, this inspiration of Israel named Joseph.